Welcome. This is Individual Perspective Podcast. My name is Darius D. McKinney. Let's get started. Darius Sight Entertainment presents Individual Perspective. First three weeks of President Trump's entrance into the um, presidency, and it's so funny, man. The propaganda is high. It's so high, it's ridiculous. It is really, really high. It's on high octane. The propaganda is relentless, and you say like, okay, how do we get here? How did we get here? This weakness that's in our American population. Where did this weakness come from? It came from the baby boomers. That's where it came from. The baby boomers. The baby boomers were the ones that were pretty useless and dumb through the 60s. You know, by the time they realized that the 60s happened, it was too late for them to do anything. And all they had to do is weep the benefits off the great generation, the people that were on the street making a difference for civil rights and women's rights and economic rights and everything. By the time the baby boomers could actually do anything, it was all over. You get what I'm saying? It was it was pretty done. Pretty done. They were in their younger grade school when all that stuff was going on. By the time they graduated or even got into high school, it was pretty much an aftermath. When they got old enough, they tried to carry on the traditions of the civil rights leaders and uh, marchers and the people that had to live through the major Jim Crow laws and everything like that. I always tell people, like, the funny part about right now is the Democrat Party is fighting for now what they were fighting for in in the late 1800s. You know, the liberals were fighting to not give up their slaves and stuff like that. And the Republicans coming in and saying, we don't give a shit if you're going to be broken. You're going to be in poverty. We don't care if the majority of the country is going to be in poverty. We're getting rid of this shit. We're getting rid of the slavery stuff because it puts a stain on the name of America. We're going to get rid of it. And I don't care how much it damages the majority of the population of the country. We're going to have to see how life is afterwards. And right now, the Democrat Party is fighting for that certain people have to suffer for the majority of the people to be economically sound. 
So you need taxes, you need government, you need more laws. We gotta tell what not to say. We gotta tell how to not feel. We, I'm jumbling up right there, but um, my Facebook app was pinging and I seen that it was a lot of comments on there. So, you know, I kind of go to Facebook and then sometimes I, it automatically sends me to the news feed. And then I'm looking at the news feed and I got a lot of friends, you know, that are Democrats and they, they're propagandists, you know what I mean? You know, I'm not I don't stand here as a Republican and saying I'm a Republican and I'm proud to be a Republican because Republicans, people think the Republican Party is some kind of racist Jim Crow law wanna be people or like they want to kind of oppress people. No, the Republican Party is so fucking weak. <laughs> They're so weak that they let a lot of terrible things go on in this country because they didn't have the strong voice like they used to have in Abraham Lincoln time and what helped get rid of Jim Crow laws and what helped fight for gay rights and stuff. Because people don't know that. People, people actually don't know that the Democrat Party fought for slavery. The Democrat Party fought for Jim Crow laws. The Democrat Party fought against gay rights. Like all these things I'm telling you, the Democrat Party didn't like advocated they actually were the ones who put the laws in place so it's not only if it's the late 1800s this went from the late 1800s to the early 1960s to 1990 to even the early 2000s the democrat party put in place some of the laws that the occupy wall street and the black lives matter and all of the laws and the different interactions with civilization that disenfranchisement that black americans or hispanics and all these people think that are so terrible the democrat party put this stuff in place the democrat party is the one who did doma defense of marriage act against gay people against their rights but who the gay people look up to right now who are the gay people fighting for the democrat party now of course republicans some of them have the religious conviction but they would never you never see none of their presidents pass no anti-gay law and sign it on the president's desk you would never see a republican president do that because it has to fight the rule of the Republican Party. And that is everything has to go filter through the Constitution. Everything that you pass has to filter through the Constitution. That's why the Republican Party got so much fight inside of their, their organization. They're not in unison. They fight each other tooth and nail. Because there's constitutionists in the Republican Party. There are conservative, religious, and moral conviction type of groups inside the Republican Party. There's a lot of different fractions inside the Republican Party. Only in the Democrat Party, there are only socialists and really extreme socialists. <laughs> That's it. Those are only different. The socialists called themselves progressives now. And the far left, those are the extreme socialists. But really, all it is is one type of people in the Democrat Party. And there's no tolerance to not implement socialist ideological point of view. And anyone that stands in the way of our Democrat ideological point of views, they're the opposition to death. That's what's going on in the Democrat Party. The Republican Party, they got your Rush Limbaugh's, where they're so ideological. Their idealism is conservatism. We have to beat the liberals. 
sometimes that gets so caught up in the ideological fight of who's right and who's wrong what lifestyle is right or wrong what ideological point of view is right or wrong that they make things worse and things never get done and gridlocks constant because it's easy to fight conservatism with liberalism their two ideological point of view and then when you're looking at the two point of views, the mass population going to say, who has the most sympathy for us? And that's what it gets put under. And when you're going to fight who has the most sympathy, conservatism and liberalism, that will be an endless fight because both of them are nuts. Both of them are a personal illogical point of view that belongs in your house, belongs in your company. You can run your company on those illogical point of views. You can run your personal establishment on that illogical point of view. But when people go to Washington to pass bills and to pass legislation, and if they become president, they cannot run the country on conservatism or liberalism illogical point of view. On progressive point of views, not in America, because we have one thing that stops all that, and that's the Constitution. Then you have your Americans. Now, Americans are people like me, where I'm against conservatism and I'm against liberalism. I feel that there's a need for them in our society. It's all right to have these different point of views in life, in our cultures and everything like that. But their point of view shouldn't be a mandate on American people. American people should decide if they want to conduct their lives in liberalism or conservatism, ideological point of views to better help them manage their lives. But a person like me, I'm an American, meaning that I wanted to go only by the Constitution. When you make a law, it should be only made by the Constitution. When you write up a rule to a federal government, the president, the Congress, the Senate, the Supreme Court, something that they pass down on to every state, that should be laws that are passed through the filter of what the Constitution says. That's the problem to try to explain to people what their rights are under the Constitution and what their rights aren't. So what I want to say about the ideological point of views are both point of views, conservatism and liberalism, are putting so much propaganda into the ether. It is almost impossible for Donald Trump to. <laughs> I mean, a good thing about Donald Trump is, is that he pushes forward. He's like my favorite quote from Martin Luther King. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But no matter what you do, keep moving forward. And that's one thing about Donald Trump. He keeps moving forward. No matter how much protest, no matter how much violence, no matter how much powerful Hollywood and really, I mean, the most powerful people in the country, no matter how much they take something that you say out of context, they shorthand a executive order that you sign and they make it a propagandist type of situation where it's out of context. It's so subjective to label it in a certain way. No matter how much Hollywood suppresses the truth or the media suppresses the truth, he keeps moving forward. He doesn't live in, wow, I did that for you. I wish you understood that. He doesn't live in that. He just knows that the mission is for America to have a clear conscience of what it's doing. Right now, you can't regulate immigrants coming into the country because if you try to fine tune it in any way, you're a racist. 
you're Hitler. You're trying to suppress other people from coming into the country or other people in the country that may take away from the Aryan race. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is not logical. It's not factual. It is a subjective opinion about what Donald Trump is doing. You can't put how you feel about him clamping down on illegal immigration. No, you had to go by what he says. You can't put your perceptions in it. He can't pass the travel halt and you call it a Muslim ban. It's not a Muslim ban if 80% of all Muslims in the whole world could come into the country and not get put through the vetting system that he put for the seven countries. You can't call it a Muslim ban. If the majority of the Muslim population on earth is not under the regulation of the immigration halt, then you can't call it a Muslim halt. And who are the countries? Sudan, Yemen, Somalia, some of the most radical, Syria, some of the most radical places right now, the most dangerous places. And you say, you're going to stop kids and children and mothers and parents from getting away from violence. That's not our job. That's not the job of the president to make sure other country people. There's 7.4 billion people under your ignorant, emotional, moral compass. Every single person in the world deserves to come to America. Every single human being that feel like they're oppressed. They have every right to come into America under your rule. Do you want to see how it is when a hundred million people in our country take care of a billion people? Because the actual people that can come into our country will make our population about a billion, a billion people. But the fruitful people in America are just about a hundred million people. That's it. I'm talking about they make money. They make about a hundred grand and up. Their taxes make a difference. A person that make $30,000 a year, your taxes don't make a difference. I'm sorry to say it to you, it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference because we suck so much from taxes and the necessity of being taxed. You have no idea how much our population money goes to people that are ineffective in our country. And that's just being honest and blunt. You have 100 million people in our country that actually support they say we're about 320. I think we're realistically about 340, 350. That's real, realistically. And I guarantee you 100 million people are taking care of the 240. I can guarantee you that. Pays for the roads, pays for low income health, pays for housing, pays for social security, pays for our military. The 100 million people taxes make a difference. They pay for the big stuff. They pay for the stuff that people take for granted and they do not deserve. You only deserve what you go out and get. Our compassion for each other and our constant approval of paying taxes. It's so funny how Americans, we pay 35 cents on a dollar taxes. And then every single time we purchase something, we get taxed from five to 10 cents on the tax. Anything that we buy that's not food, they don't tax you on food, but anything else, you're getting taxed five to 10% every single time you purchase something. We say, oh no, we only get taxed 35 cents. If you go to work and you make a dollar, you get taxed 35 cents off that dollar. You have 65 cents left. And then you say that because you get taxed another 6% on each item that could be taxed, that's not giving you less money that you really earned. That pays no factor to the percentage of your dollar the system gets. It's a high probability that you're actually only spending about 40 cents of every dollar that you get. And we're not talking about the people that make big money, the millionaires and the billionaires. 
That's why they get a certain amount of money to charity and stuff so they can do it as a tax write-off every year. Because they get to keep more of that money. They're smart enough to understand money enough and respect money enough to make a difference for every single purchase that they make. That they make it where the money that they have to give to the federal government is least as possible. That way, all the purchases that they make, they're not losing that tax money additional to the federal tax. Try to suppress the taxes that the government takes. That way, when you do your different things that you purchase, that will tax you on the city and state taxes. At least you um, have more to play with. I'm not talking about the big people that understand money, that respects money, that play the game for the money. Like all these crying, bleeding heart people out there like Katy Perry and Leonardo DiCaprio and all them. I don't see them. I want to know how many people that they put in a house this year. How many people did they go in the hood and give a house to? How many people did they take out of poverty? Don't just say, I'm going to pay for your college. I'm going to pay for your this. I'm going to pay for that. Make sure that you're paying for it. And it's actually that person is a fruitful person now. Not one. That's not enough. It's not enough to just do one. It's not enough to just do 100. Black Americans, they were 16% of the population in 1970s and they're 13% of the population now. What's up with that? We're more black Americans that are in poverty now than there ever been. What's up with that? That could only mean that the communication in the black community is not logical and truthful. It's emotional. You can only suppress people that long by emotions. They're not analytical. They're not logical. They're not looking at it from a true fact-based analysis. That's the only way to keep and suppress black people is everything they hear, everything that they do, all their motivation, all their energy gets put into emotional, subjective movements. That's the only way you could suppress a race that long like that. That everything they do is something that is not fruitful. Is that our heroes, our musicians, our movie stars, our entertainers, our parents, our teachers, our motivators. They're people that have a agenda to make us analyze everything in an emotional complex. When we draw our perception or conclusion on something, we're not looking at what has to be done to solve the problem. We're looking at it as how this situation makes me feel. And how does this situation look? We're looking at it from that perception and we attack it on that perception where it doesn't really solve it. It just flares up again and it's a constant problem. It's never a conclusion to our issues. How did black Americans get to where we at now where 99.9% of all black Americans lives is not dealing with a Ku Klux Klan member walking up to you, calling you out your name or dragging you out your house and hanging you or you getting beat by white people or racist Ku Klux Klan members or some racism type of situation. 99.9% .9 of all interactions with black and white Americans is not how it was in the 50s and the 40s and Jim Crow law years. It's not where the biggest problem that you have to worry about a white person is that if you looked at a white woman, you'll get put in jail or you'll get lynched. If a white person called you a racist name and you fought for your dignity, you didn't get put in jail or you didn't get lynched. 
I hate talking about this stupid stuff, but you have to because it's the most meaningful propaganda and it works. Everybody labels Donald Trump as a racist, but they have no fact-based analysis. It was the perception that it's a racist situation. But if you were to sit down with the person and say, okay, what makes him a racist? And then they tell you what their perception is that makes him a racist. It's not that they're saying, well, he called a black person a nigger. They're not going to say that. Because they don't have anything to say that he ever called a black person a nigger. Oh, well, he, um, he called him a spook or a coon. They have none of that. They're going to tell you something like, well, he said immigrants, they are murderers and rapists. No, he didn't. Because he says that Mexico is not sending their greatest. They're sending people with a lot of problems, a lot of issues. And they're bringing their rapists. They're bringing their murderers. And they're bringing all kind of problems with them. That's a fact. It's amazing how illegal immigration, no one wants to solve it. Everybody wants open borders. We got sanctuary cities. But out of all the compassion you have for millions and millions and millions of good, illegal Hispanics and different people coming into this country, and you don't think that the law should play a factor, as much as you want to have compassion, you're letting the most deadly stuff come into our country. There's no poppy fields in America. We have endless of heroin in our country. We have endless of cocaine in our country. We have endless of opioids in our country. And it only comes from the border. That means our government has to figure out who's getting these drugs in. You can't figure it out if everybody that comes over you want to have compassion for. Because you're going to let people come in and it's not going to be vetted. It's not going to be extreme to who is this person and why are they coming into this country. So you're going to have to ignore certain things. You're going to have to ignore certain passages through the country because they're trying to come in and have refuge. You're going to have to have sympathy for so many people that the holes and the loopholes and the leniency will be so wide that you let in the most brutal killing of our whole population. Drugs. You'll let them in because you're having compassion for so many people that are not drug dealers, that are not rapists, that are not murderers, but they're people that's trying to have refuge. If it's a million people you got to have compassion for, it's a hundred thousand people that are dangerous, bad people that should not come in here. And we should absolutely make sure that they don't get in here because the damage that a hundred thousand people can do is more devastating to the country than allowing the million people to have refuge so we're having that debate what's fair we have endless poverty in our country in america you watch tv and you watch different shows and we're talking about feeding u.s citizens donate to feed u.s why the hell i gotta donate to feed citizens we have endless amount of money. We have so much money that we're feeding other countries that it's like a black hole. No matter how much food we send over there or we send to different countries and we help out different low poverty or like devastated areas in the world. No matter how much billions and trillions of dollars that we give away to different countries that are just they have nothing. We're never curing it. The population rise over there. We're at 7.4 billion people. Most of those people, like I'll say 5 billion of those people, they cannot supply for themselves. They cannot coexist on their own. 
every single positivity towards civilization that they have is because America is flying money over to these countries and dropping it in and we're negotiating and we got our Hollywood superstars and stuff going on some sabbatical or some kind of coalition to go take money from different countries and get it all together and go on these different feed the hungry and stop AIDS and all this stuff we have all these different organizations going into these countries giving all this assistance but inside our country we have poverty now it could mean that president obama sean penn angelina jolie Katy perry and all the other bleeding heart people they really look at the poverty in our country as it's not really bad and they actually tell themselves and they tell their actual assistants and their workers or their charity organizations and their charity foundations they tell them what's going on in america is not really bad so let's not really focus on it because it's not really bad. It's worse in other countries. But when they talk to American people, they say, oh, this is devastating in America. What's going on in America is devastating. But when they actually put things in motion to cure problems, to solve problems, they never do it for the American citizens. They never do it. They just throw little nickels and dimes at the people and the issues and poverty in America. And they say, I, we can't really waste a lot of money on this because this is not really a problem. The lowest income or lowest poverty situation in America is really not as bad as Cambodia, as Somali, as Congo, as Afghanistan, as, as Syria. That's what they tell themselves. So when they really put something in motion, it's for everyone else in the world, but a bare minimum for the situation in America. So when they talk to the public in America, they create chaos saying, oh, it's so horrible. It's so horrible. You can actually cure this stuff. Will Smith, Jada Pickett Smith, Sidney Poitier, Denzel Washington, Oprah Winfield, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, all these radical black Americans in America. You can actually cure black poverty. You actually can. If you cure black poverty, it will actually give you economics to help you solve a lot of the problems in other countries because you are gaining more revenue to play with. If you can make black Americans be more self-accountable, if you can make parents deal with you having this baby and you're not in a financial state to have this baby. So now that you bring this baby into this world, you have to make sure you live up to the decision you made to bring this child into this world. And you have to be better than what you are right now. You have to mean more to your own individual life. If an individual black American have a high expectation for themselves, that would drive their motivation. That would drive their productivity and they'll be very proactive to their life. And that will make economic sound. An individual, they have to sustain themselves. By the stability of themselves, they will acquire things they like, things that they want, pleasures that they want to have, things that they need. Th that acquirement feeds more economic value to the population of the world. But if you tell them to be selfless, then they would do bare minimum. They would not try to live in a dominance of their situation. They would just try to be bare minimum. They would be reactive instead of proactive. So all the black Americans in power that I just named and plenty more that I don't got time and I don't want to waste my time naming. You know who you are. You can actually cure 
black American poverty and every other race will follow suit. But it starts with accountability, giving black Americans accountability for their own individual lives and progress. There are laws on the books now. Black Americans have power in this country now. We have all the power we need. Now it's about making the black American understand their power. The reason why black Americans do worse in the judicial system than white Americans is the white Americans go find a person that actually knows the law. It's not that the law is not favored for or the Constitution is not favored for black Americans. It's that black Americans are not reading it. They're not linking with other black Americans that know the law. They're not reading the Constitution. They're not having conversation with lawyers. Lawyers are only good because you don't know the information. That's the only reason why lawyers are good and necessary. Because the actual individual do not understand it or they don't feel like reading it or they don't know the information that they need to know to protect themselves or fight for themselves. That's the only reason why lawyers exist. They exist because you don't know the information and you need someone to help you with the information. Otherwise, you'd be off the hook. You'll see what they're trying to do to you. You'll know how to actually protect yourself from the judicial system, from allegations, from perceptions of something that may not be accurate that you will have to fight in the judicial system for. But I'm just using that as an example of the complaints that you hear from the black community. And our elitist tells us how pathetic we are. We're not pathetic. We've been conned by emotional propaganda. We've been conned by emotional activism. You don't have to be a Republican. There's no such thing of an independent either. But if you're black American, you're carrying the name of slave owners by calling yourself a Democrat. The farming bill that was passed in the 1930s, that bill was passed for sympathy for ex-slave owners because they couldn't work their crop. They fell into economic poverty because they lost their slaves. Do not carry the name of Democrat. That name been carried by very horrible people in the name of the Democratic Party has done so much damage to the American population. If you're a black American, you're a slave for even carrying that name. Because slavery is not chains on your neck, chains on your ankles and your wrists no more. Or you work in the crops. Slavery now is illogical propaganda. Slavery now is oppressing yourself where you do not reach and fly high. You do not have individual driven goals and ambition. You submit yourself to everyone's will. That's what the new slavery is. Believe it or not, Steve Jobs cured a black American from being a poor person. He actually cured it by the technology and the actual formulation of the elitist tools of success. And he brought it to the mass population by him doing that. He made it where it was impossible for you to be in poverty. The elitists, the superstars, the Hollywood people, the musicians, the movie stars, the professors, the elite black population that does not tell black Americans or even in different races. The elitists that does not tell the people that you're suppressing your greatness. All the tools that you need to be a great person. Realistically, you can actually be a person that make $100,000 and up with investing $1,000 in your life. I'll say two to three thousand dollars. That's just to be able to take yourself out of the hood, put yourself in a decent area, decent studio apartment, buy a computer, Internet and a terabyte hard drive and eat ramen noodles and peanut butter. 
Now, if you could put yourself in a situation where you can somewhat get that kind of revenue coming in every month, I'll say two to three grand. In about two years, you will never have to be poor again. But the slave owners in our society has psychologically traumatized us. This is a more deep conversation than I really want to have right now. But I'm going to try to rush through it and we'll come back on later episodes what I mean. But I want to use an example. And I think the example will kind of make you understand what I mean by the slavery mentality that we don't even have consciousness of that our peers and our family and our background has the psychological trauma in it that they pass down through generations. When a woman decides to have sex with a man, the truth of that situation is it's a high probability that you're going to get pregnant. If you cannot afford that pregnancy, then you shouldn't have the sex. If you have the sex, then you should make sure to guarantee a high probability of protection and that the probability of having a child is very minimal. But the effortless of linking with another person, this is for the man, too, because he's majorly part of the problem, too. This is a two way street. When you birth a child into the world, a man is irresponsible of the pressure he puts on the woman of the probability of the pressure that he will be putting on a woman. So he should be looking out for her best interest. By the man not properly calculating, the woman is not properly calculating and maybe vice versa. So once you have the child in a less economic condition, the survival kicks in. Now you have to survive for your child. In order for your child to survive, you have to survive. So the constant analyzation of how to survive becomes the most important mission of your life. And if you get pregnant again, then that doubles up and so on and so on and so on. But because you suppress your own individual accomplishments and rules of drive to greatness, your actual progress is oppressed, is muzzled, is put on pause. Or how can I say is um, immobile. And this what creates constant poverty because your oppression and your immobility gets passed down to your child because that's what they're birthed into. That's the environment they come into and so on and so on and so on. Now, I hope I made sense with that. And I don't know how I got all the way to this. I got my notes and everything. And I got specific things I want to talk to you guys about. But I got on that because when I went on Facebook and I actually was going through the news feed, I seen this lady, her name, Rubia Garcia. She's doing like, I guess it's the Facebook Live thing. And she's academically sound verbiage. She's telling the camera all these intellectual things about. Let me tell you about a guy that, that wanted to fight for his people. And he wanted to protect his countrymen. And then to protect his countrymen, he thought that the others were not so great. And that he was going to fight against the others. And you may think I'm talking about Donald Trump, but I'm talking about Adolf Hitler. Some crazy stuff like that. I could play that, but I'm not going to play it because I'm not going to waste my time listening to it again. Let me go look at the hack again just so I can make sure that I'm telling you the right name of the hack. It's Rubia Garcia. And she's a hack. Okay. To me, she's a hack. She was so dramatic with the delivery. And people that is not well informed, that doesn't really know the history and the comparison of Hitler and Donald Trump. If you don't really understand it, if you don't know the logical, analytical comparison and objective comparison, if you don't know it, then you can get swallowed into that. You can actually say like, you know what? That sounds intellectual. She sounds sound. That sound that makes sense. No, it's ignorant. It's ignorant and she's an ignorant fool too. The comparison is ridiculous. 
I don't want to keep talking about that, but that's what made me get on this rant about progress of individualism. And if you listen to all the individual perspective podcasts, I talked about this so many times. It's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And my show is redundant now because <laughs> I'm trying to emphasize individual perspective and how much it lacks in the population of Earth and how much necessity it is for progress. There's a good thing to selfishness. Selfishness breeds consumption. Consumption breeds necessity. Necessity breeds demand. Demand breeds production. That's just the way it is. You can't stop that. You can't fight against that. You buy a car. If it's the only car the manufacturer has, once you buy it, they have to make another one to sell that one. If you buy a loaf of bread off a shelf that's selling bread and once they run out of bread, they made an economic profit. They're going to make more bread to sell again. Who's going to make the bread? The people that make the bread. It's an economic. It's just endless. Individual acquirement breeds economics for everyone. But first, you got to want to acquire for yourself. In order to acquire for yourself, you have to be productive for yourself. I'm tired of this. I'm, 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 I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. It's just ridiculous. Okay. Donald Trump has only been in office for three weeks, people. Three weeks, people. Three weeks. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Only three weeks. And in three weeks, the conservative hacks and the financial business nuts, they want him to pass a tax bill, which I'm pretty sure he's going to pass that tax bill in time that no president would have ever tried to accomplish that in. They would have never tried to accomplish in the time that he's going to be putting it on the table. He's going to make it a demand and he's going to put the ball in the court of the Republican Congress and the Democrat Congress. It's going to be how active they are. It's not going to be him not campaigning it or not putting it out there as a demand. They want him to pass a tax reform tax bill. He could only put out a platform that what he's asking for, which he put that out for two years now. We already know what Donald Trump wants out of taxes. He want to cut from seven to three tax bracket. The wealthiest, 30 percent. The corporate companies, 20 percent. And the middle class, 15 percent. That's what he wants in the tax bracket. And he wants people that's not even a middle class under $50,000. He don't even want you to pay a thing. He wants you to pay zero. He's fighting Congress to make sure that is that's like that. But like I'll say it again, the wealthiest, 30 percent, corporations, 20 percent and the middle class, 15 percent. That's what he wants. He's been saying that for two years now, two years on the campaign trail. He's been talking about that for two years now. So we know what he wants. But I'm pointing out the conservatives and the, the Republican Party hacks that go on news and they doing a the pundit. I really hate this pundit shit. I really do. I really hate the analysts, the strategists, Republican and Democrat and liberal and conservative strategists and analysts. I hate them because they're giving you their opinion of what's going on. It's not fact. It's not objective. It's their opinion of it. And that's why they bicker at each other. But it's for the anchor of the show to come in, even when either side gives their opinion, the anchor is supposed to come in and make sure that the opinion that the people gave is accurate. If it's not accurate, they have to object it and put it in fact-based analysis. But the anchors don't. 
them bickering against each other they use it as a liberal bickering against a conservative a conservative bickering against a liberal a democrat bickering against a republican a republican bickering against a democrat and they just leave it to them do the bickering and say okay that was a good debate uh, we don't want no debate i'm watching the six o'clock news i want facts i want what did the bill say not how you felt about the bill what did the bill say what did the executive action say not what you feel the executive action said or the, your perception of it. I want to know what it said. I'll make up my own mind how I feel about it. I don't need you to give me a perception. I don't need you to make me feel how it, this is how you're supposed to feel about it. This is what it meant. No, what did it say? You can give me a, a short summary of a situation, but it still will be fact. It will still be objective, but we don't have that no more in our media. Fox News is not giving it to you. CNN is not giving it to you. CNN is fake news. I'm throwing Donald Trump's comment that CNN is fake news. Their banner is the most subjective, crazy. It's libel. It is not. That should not be going on. Somebody has to. Who watches the media? Who watches the news organizations and the journalists? Who, who watch journalism to make sure they're not becoming slave owners? That they're not being propagandists? They're not being activists? Who watches them? How do you know that CNN is not lying to you? How do you know that Fox News is not lying to you? How do you know that NBC is not lying to you? How do you know that CBS is not lying to you? All you know is that. That is all you have. Those are people that are getting paid hundreds of thousands a year, millions of dollars a year. They got to be telling you the truth, right? No, they're not. I vetted all of them. And, and sometimes I'll say a good 70% of the time, 70, I'm telling you that number is so accurate, it's ridiculous. 70% of the time, it is a persuasion, personal perspective, personal analysis, and a personal subjective opinion of what's going on in life. It is not fact. It is not objective. It's not journalistic ethics. It's not. I vetted. I did the hard work. I did the work that you won't do. You're going to criticize my opinion of it, but I'm telling you, vet me. Email me at info at darisightentertainment.com. I-N-F-O at D-A-R-I-S-S-I-G-H-T entertainment.com. You can email me there. Go to my website. That's D-A-R-I-S-S-I-G-H-T entertainment.com. Go to the contact page. Click on that and you send me your questions. And I will go through every single one of them and give you a response back on air. I will put your comment on this individual perspective podcast so you'll know how I answer the question and we can put it on the record. I'll take the challenge of anything I said in previous episodes or anything. I'll take the challenge. I vetted my information. I don't tell you anything on individual perspective podcast that's not vetted. It is all vetted. It is all fact based analysis. It's all objective. Even my support for Donald Trump is extremely objective. That's why Donald Trump is fighting Republicans and Democrats and elitists and propagandist hippies because he's such an American. He only cares about individual growth. He doesn't care about the weakness that's inside of us that makes us compassion that we don't fight for dominance. He doesn't care about the weakness part of us. He cares about the internal strength of a human being, of an American citizen. He only cares about the strength of America. And if anything weakens that strength, you have to attack it. 
It's the funny thing about even like the rhetoric and the actual lies that people say about Donald Trump is against Muslims. Why do Muslims allow all these activists and this propagandist people to say that if you talk about keeping bad Muslim people out or bad Islamic terrorists out, you do a travel halt on some Muslim people that's going to give other Muslims a negative perception of America and they're going to become terrorists. They're going to attack us. And if you put America in more danger, they're saying that good Muslim people will turn radical Islamic terrorists because Donald Donald Trump is fighting against Islamic radicals and he's pointing them out for their illogical point of view and he's going to halt travel from radical Islamic environments coming into the country and because he's actually attacking the problem and saying exactly what he's attacking because their perception that even if they're radical Islamic terrorists because they share the Islam culture or the Islam faith and you're pointing that out that's going to make a good Muslim person become a terrorist that should insult muslims more that they're saying that you're so weak rhetoric will make you become a terrorist and if that's true it's better that you become a terrorist outside the country than inside the country it's better that the key words or the words that you hear to be a psychological spark to you to turn you into a terrorist it's better that you hear those words outside the country than inside the country it's ridiculous but the muslims don't bitch and moan about that care doesn't bitch and moan about that that's an insult to muslims to say that words turn them into a terrorist culture turns you into a terrorist learnt behavior turns you into a terrorist it's ridiculous boy i tell you i listen to a lot of the conservatives on fox business news or fox news or rush limbaugh or so many different republican outlets that call themselves supporting Trump or supporting the agenda of Trump and everything. But if he's too forceful to an Australian prime minister, oh my God, he's messing up a century old relationship because he's pointing out a flaw in a deal that Australia and President Obama made that he feels that's so dumb. And if he be so bullheaded, it's going to destroy America. This is terrible to make America look like this because you're so mean to people. Are you kidding me? I don't care how Australia assists us in wars. We still have to be able to speak like Americans. You can't be a president of the United States of America if you do not know how to strategically and timely advocate Americanism. We're straight talkers. Americans are. They say Australians are straight talkers. They say Europeans are straight talkers. No, no, we are straight talkers. But now we become so safe space that even Republicans, they always blame liberals and Democrats for safe space ideological point of view or safe space advocacy of properly saying things in a very neutral tone. But Republicans are for that, too. They didn't know that they were for that until they met Donald Trump, until Donald Trump came for their gold. Once he came for their gold, once he came for their most prized possession presidency government then they became every single thing two years ago that liberals democrats progressives socialists advocate for two years ago those are the same things that republicans advocate for right now but it's just amazing how straight talk is such a you can't use the word dumb you can't use the word loser you can't use the word tough you can't use the word winner you just can't use those words those are harsh words now <laughs> so ridiculous
big mouth financial analysts, they're so scared of the border tax, the possibility that a border tax would be there. It's okay for us to send our products overseas and every single country tax our products, make it more hard for us to compete inside their country with a higher tax. So they take all the technology or all the things that we manufacture in America and send overseas and send over to other countries. They tax it because they take the technology or take the actual thing that we're selling and compete inside their country with it and mark their prices down lower and our taxes is higher on our products that the citizens in their country say, why would I pay this much for an American product when we can buy the same thing from our country and it's a whole lot cheaper? So that's why our imports, that's why we lose $800 billion a year on trade. We lose that amount because we're sending things that get wasted in other countries because the other countries don't purchase it. But every country sends their things into our country and we do not tax it. And they say, well, it makes it cheaper for our citizens to purchase these items. Well, that may be true, but it also make it where our citizens is less needed in our country. We don't make anything in our country. And the things that we make in our country, we're going to be making it outside our country. Because why? If I could make a Ford car in Mexico and send it back into America with no taxes on it, I could sell it cheaper to an American citizen than if I made the car in America and sold it to the American citizens inside the country. That's why we have so much manufacturing economic downslide inside America. But now Donald Trump, his tax challenges, you can't really do a trade war or you can't debate trade if you're not willing to put a tax tariff on the table. I'm sorry, people. You can't negotiate saying under no negotiation, I will put a tariff on the table. So I'm going to negotiate with you to not put us in trade deficit. I won't put tariffs on the table. And that's my only bargain to make sure that you play fair. That's ridiculous. So much stuff I want to talk about, but it's take hours to conversate about it. But I hope you understood that. So to make a long story short, the illegal immigration conversation that we need to have in America is a brutal conversation. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a brutal conversation. It really is. But I need you to pay attention to the same things that made other countries reckless and horrible and suppressed in a dictatorship. It's because there were no rules to the government. There was no rule of law. Government could do anything to their people that they wanted to. There are people in California that do not want open borders, that do not want sanctuary cities in their country because it's too reckless. One person gets killed by you allowing your city to be a sanctuary city. Where's the compassion for that one person that lost their life, that had big plans for their life? Where's the compassion for them? You allow your cities and your mayors and your governors to do a sanctuary city because they're compassion for illegal immigrants and people that have taken refuge into the country. But if a person with the influx of the type of people that come into the country and they may not be sound mind or good people and they may be murderers or rapists. And because that small pocket of people come in with the influx of the good illegal immigrants, you allow those small people to change the lives of an American citizen because of your compassion. 
And then the answer for that is, well, it's a casualty of taking families in and helping people out that need help that we have to allow some of our born American citizens to get raped and killed and harmed by the small pocket of criminal illegal immigrants that come in. And it's just a casualty of helping a mass group of people. That is not the Constitution, it's not the rights, it's not freedom of American people. So my point of it is, is that there are people in California that don't agree with the governor, that don't agree with Sacramento or San Francisco or the liberals or the academia on this open border and this compassion and this moral compass of doing what we can to help the most people we can. People didn't get birthed into life and become valuable citizens. Their life has to be totally inconvenient and suppressed and non-existent because the mission of a mayor and a governor and a city council person or a person with a liberal ideological point of view or a socialist ideological point of view or a, a moral ideological point of view that a person lose their life or get their life violated because someone else's perception of what kind of compassion you need to to have for the people in the world that is not fair that's not freedom that means that your life is somewhat yours until we decide that it's not yours and we want to give it up to one of our causes that's the problem with illegal immigration we have compassion, but sometimes compassion can go so much where you don't see the line and it makes sure that everyone is fairly thought of in the analyzation of the situation Technically, you should actually have to follow the rules and the laws of the country. It costs the government $150 billion a year to manage illegal immigrants, give them food, clothe them, to manage them. And in California, they actually give driver's license to illegal immigrants. I talked about this before, and that automatically pretty much make you a citizen because you can get assistance with that. That state ID. There's a lot of laws inside of California and New York and states in our country that's it's the loophole of loopholes. American citizens are okay with American citizens not properly paying their taxes and going to jail for it. But when illegals come into the country, they don't make themselves known to who they are and where they are and to wait in line like every other civilized immigrant. It's endless for them. We don't really want to have a conversation about them. We don't want you to look where they at. We don't want you to do it. We'll deal with it. We'll make sure that it's enough money that's floating in space. And when it's all gone and you want to know where's this money going, we just don't want you to question where the money going. Just put more of it back into floating space. So it's a big conversation that we need to have about illegal immigration. If we want this country to be a sound country that actually people stop falling through the cracks, we have to know what's going on. But we make our country so noisy, so noisy that so many people are falling through the cracks that were born in this country and their family lived and fought and died for this country. And we have to let them fall into the cracks because it's so much other stuff that we're trying to occupy ourselves with that we're letting good, great Americans fall through the cracks because we can't keep track of the invisible person that's in the room, the things that we need to be accountable for because it might get in the way of the people that we need to have compassion for. I don't know if I make sense with that, but it's so many Americans falling through the crack. That's why a lot of black Americans in the mass population of I'm a black man. I got to remind you guys that. But the reason why a lot of the black population falls through the crack is because our government sees other people more valuable than black Americans. 
And we're not talking white government. We're talking the black caucus sees other people more valuable than black Americans. Our first black American president, when he had the chance to put somebody on the Supreme Court, he didn't try to find a good black Supreme Court justice. Well, his thing was that he was going to find an extreme liberal or a Hispanic. That was his thought process. Because that person was more valuable than putting the black justice on the Supreme Court. And when he had the chance to put another one up, even if it didn't get past the Senate, he picked somebody else besides another black Supreme Court justice. Now, the question y'all need to ask Obama is, what's wrong with all the black judges in the country that he could have put up for Supreme Court? What's wrong with the black judges that made them not valuable for the Supreme Court? You got to really look when the pressure is on the powerful black Americans, when they have to make a decision for black Americans, watch and see the decision that they make. It is terrible. The movie stars want you to spend all your money on to go see their movies. The musicians want you to spend all your money on seeing a musician, listening to their music, buying their music, going to their concerts, watching their TV shows. They do not want you to be disciplined and save your money. They want you to spend it on them for them to be powerful, for them to be economically sound, for them to have power over you and have power over your influences and your decision making. Wake up. I'm talking to every American citizen. Pay attention to what Donald Trump says, not how it made you feel. Pay attention to what he said and analyze it to what the sentence says, what the punctuations are. What is he actually saying he's talking about? Not what you think he's talking about, not what your psychological trauma told you what he's talking about. Normally, references are good, but if you're not an intelligent person, then your reference is really bad. And it might drive you further into the psychological abyss of trauma. That's why most people get worse in their life if they had a bad childhood. They put the trauma references to everything. They formulate good situations into the bad situations to make them more relevant for where they came from. So I'm telling you to be objective. An individual perspective means be objective. Analyze it on the facts of what's going on or what's said. Not from your personal trauma because your past may skew everything in an inaccurate analyzation. Hope I made sense with that. But individual perspective means vet everything logically and objectively. And that will bring you to a um, sound conclusion. Now, I wanted to play some clips and everything, but I guess I'll do that on the next Individual Perspective Podcast. Thanks for listening to Individual Perspective Podcast. Please go to www.darississightentertainment.com. That's darississightentertainment.com. You can go to all our Facebook and Twitter and everything from the website. That's more of a neat way of telling you how to get to there. Talk to me. Send me some emails or some comments or something. Post anything. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to conversate about individual perspective. Conversate about conversate about my perception of what's going on. It's a lot we have to still talk about. And I know I'm cutting this short, but thanks for listening to Individual Perspective Podcast. And I'm going to end it right now. Peace. Peace.